Today what we want to do is um, we want to bring attention to also reconciliation. And one thing you can rejoice and praise the Lord for is that I'm not going to go on for 45 minutes. And then I'm going to ask um, that you, um, that I'll forgive you for the way that you feel about that um, afterwards. So I just want you to know I'm ready to forgive you, even though you may not share that with me. But I'm not going to go on for 45 minutes, so we praise the Lord for that. But what we are going to do today is we're going to reflect on forgiveness and reconciliation. There is a story that I came across this past week that, in fact, in the last few days, that just blew my mind. It's about a pastor and his wife. It's about something that happened in their marriage. It was something that the wife violated their marriage. And the husband could have reacted in a way that could have been ungodly. But to the world, it would have been right. To maybe some church members or people who are Christians, it might have been right. But this man decided to make a decision that was so godly. And I want to share that story with you by way of video. It's about nine minutes long, but it's an opportunity for you to reflect on what this man went through and what this woman went through and how God used this as an incredible redemptive story. And so I want to encourage you to open your hearts as we look at this video together, and then when we do, I'll come back and we'll share a little bit about reconciliation and redemption. What an amazing story. It's filled with intrigue because when you think it was enough that she had violated the marriage, then God allows the pregnancy. And then for God to allow the pregnancy and for the father, Bob, to be emphatically, yes, this is gonna be my child. What an incredible story of grace, redemption, adoption, that we have to understand that the sin that she committed was heinous, but so is ours. Every sin that's committed before God stands alone as sin. And all the consequences might be greater as we're here on earth. It's a violation with God and his standard, standard of holiness. So whatever sin it may be, and that's why it's so important for us to understand that coming together collectively as a people of God, we're better empowered together when we confess our sin because we can't be empowered when we're living in sin or have a sin that we're holding on to because God demands it. You know, God promised to his people in the Old Testament about the importance of his covenant and his unconditional love. He shared it with Abraham he shared it throughout the Old Testament, even a different covenant with Moses, which was a sanctified covenant to the Israelites. But then he goes forth in the Minor Prophets and in the book, and he shares forth of this covenant that continues to the New Covenant. And he made a promise in Jeremiah 31, 34, that he says, I will remember your sin no more. And that sin that he doesn't remember anymore is because it was a price that had to be paid it's not, we take sin so lightly today. We have to be careful because too often we do. We think because it's already paid with the blood of Jesus Christ, it's okay to sin. No, we're not saying that verbally or audibly, but what we do is we say it within our hearts and no one hears it, but God hears it. We become apathetic towards sin. We look at it, we all do it. I ha I've had to 
be honest and transparent with you. I've been apathetic toward God. I've had to confess my sin for my apathy. I've had to confess my sin because at times I don't pray. And yet that in and of itself can be a sin because 1 Samuel 12, 24, Samuel said it's a sin if I don't pray. But the idea is that sin is something that uh, violates God's holiness, and we understand that. But God remembers our sin no more. And see, reconciliation is what it's really about. If God desires holiness, he also desires relationship. That's why he brought his son. That's why there's grace. That's why there's amazing grace. That's why there's a story like this, what, what, what drew Bob to do what he did, because he knew he was a sinner saved by grace. And he knew that God reconciled him to himself. He, know, he knew he didn't do anything for that. And although it was a violation directly against him in his marriage, where he said that this is something that can be so hurtful and so painful that I just wanted to punch walls, and I think he wanted to do more than just that. I think he wanted to punch the guy out, probably wanted to hang him by his neck and kill him. Yes, he probably had those thoughts. I can assure you that there are people that have those thoughts when someone is violated. But then God meets that person right there and says, wait a minute, then I guess someone else has to do that to you because you've sinned against someone else. So we don't understand that. We see this as this heinous sin, but sin before God is any sin that he calls sin. See, it's God who calls sin, sin. It's his word, it's not mine. It's God's word. He's holy, I'm not. I am with you and you're with me. We're all together going before God saying, God, have mercy on us. Because we all need to come together confessing our sin before God. But I know my greatest moments when I was most effective is when I confessed my sin and God did an amazing work when he cleansed me and he set me free because I was in bondage and enslaved with sin. See, that's why God sent his son. That's why he so desires. See, the relationship that he so desires is reconciliation. That's why he drew people to himself. And as we think about it, we have to look at 2 Corinthians chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 18, because just prior to that, Paul, who's writing 2 Corinthians because he's been mistreated by false prophets, his own people who were with him for the gospel left him to go with these false teachers and prophets, and they, they left him to follow them, and he was violated. Yet, but Paul didn't let that stop him because he continued to forgive in his heart. He was hurt, but he continued to forgive, and he reminded the people of the importance of reconciliation and the importance of not doing things on their own. And in verse 17, as we look at that, and you can even look further back, but in verse 17, it's so interesting. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, meaning whatever's in the past is the past. The, the way that you used to act before Christ should be in the past. And if you do act that way again, you confess it, and God will cleanse you, and you move forward. You don't hold a grudge. You don't hold on to the sin. And then he goes on to say this in verse 18. For now on, therefore, we regard, excuse me, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So it was God in actively, proactively, and actively drawing us in. We did nothing for it through his son. 
We've been reconciled, and now he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. So he's been gracious to us, and now he gives us this ministry of grace toward others. This is how it's explained. This is where Paul says, that is, or in other words, he's saying in Christ, was, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Now, reconciliation, the word means Literally, it just, it gives the idea of a place of satisfaction, but what it really means is taking a hostile relationship and turning it into a friendly one. See, you and I, before Christ, we were enemies of God. We were, we were not even frenemies. We were enemies with God. And enemies with God means that we would have no interest with God. We do everything contrary to God's holiness. We would sin and didn't even think about being convicted, convicted because there was no conviction. I recall of those days. I recall of those days very well. <laughs> and I recall the days when I sinned and I didn't even think about it. And what happens is God so was interested to say, I won't count your sin against you so you and I can have a relationship. So that I can set you free from sin, your position of sin, but there's a price that has to be paid. And we sin and go, Lord, I can't pay it. Well, my demanding of holiness demands a perfect death. By the way, I'll send my son in your place. And by Jesus paying off the penalty of sin with his own blood, the body of Christ, the death of Christ, now one can come and be reconciled to God. And that God doesn't count that transgression or that uh, trespass against him, he now can receive us. Now the reconciliation that we have to do is share this message, but if someone trespasses against us, we are to do the same thing. We're to remember their sin no more. Have you been remembering people's sin? When you look at someone, is S-I-N written on their forehead? And do you go N-E-R, sinner? Is that, that's what's saying in your heart? Are you remembering the sin against you? It may be subtle. You may not even know it's happening. Maybe they've trespassed against your standard. Maybe they don't think like you. They don't view things the way that you do. They don't do things the way that you do. They don't talk like you and walk like you. They're nothing like you. Sometimes you're violated by that, and you want people to be like you. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But God never called us to be the same. He called us to think the same. And if you are walking in a room and you're still remembering the sin against you, you haven't been reconciled. See, what I mean by this is that we can't be reconciled with one another until we're reconciled to God. You may say, well, Bruno, wait a minute. I know I'm reconciled to God. Are you saying I'm not saved? No, I'm not saying that. You can be saved, but not walking with God in freedom. 
Because you still have this something, you're holding that transgression against you. You're not being set free. They say it's likened to someone who has a chain around their neck, the, the cuff around their neck, and they're chained to the other person. When someone forgives someone, the chain is released, it's off, and the other person who's not willing to confess or willing to forgive, they walk around clankety clank, 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 because they're still holding on to the chain. Well, you're set free and walking away. See, because forgiveness, when you forgive someone who's trespassed against you, you're set free. And when you're set free, that means that now you can walk in true freedom with God. You're reconciled with God. When you and I forgive someone, it's because we're reconciled with God because we know he's forgiven us. It's happened to me. People have violated me often, whether in their heart or outwardly. I have had family members violate me. And I have forgiven them. And even though they had an issue with me, I walked away in freedom. So when they came back to me and said, I still have an issue with you. Oh, what is it? I don't know. I'm, I've forgiven you. What is it? And then we go over and saying, will you forgive me? And when they did, all of a sudden, our relationship was set free. See, Bob was able to be set free because he forgave his wife because God forgave him. Can you imagine if he didn't and he wanted to publicly shame her? She probably would have aborted the child or they would have been divorced and she would have gone on as a single parent with four children. They would have lost every bit of his ministry. He probably wouldn't be in the ministry today. He wouldn't have the story that God gave him. He wouldn't be set free and have the grace. And by the way, they go all over the world now sharing this story. They have a book they wrote in 2005. What an amazing story of redemption and restoration because he trusted God and forgave his wife. What a story of grace. But you, if he didn't, what would have happened? No story of grace, no redemption, no restoration. It would have been a mess. He was violated. But he chose to forgive. That's reconciliation. I want to encourage you. If you or I think we're going to be reconciled with one another and still hold on to a transgression of remembering each, one, each other's sin... You're not going to be. The Bible's clear on that. You want to be set free and be a strong, unified force for the kingdom of God? Man, begin to ask God to start this work of forgiveness. It's really simple. Today, we're not saying that you're at the end of, a finish, of, the, of this finish. We're not seeing the finish line. You're seeing the finish line, we hope, of the complaining, the slander, and the malice, and everything in your heart. We're hoping for that. But what we're hoping for is that you're walking up to the starting line of a new day. Because God wants you to walk in the journey with him. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to set you free. He wants to exchange your pain for his power. He wants to exchange being enslaved to be empowered for God for his kingdom. God's not interested in a local church alone. He's not interested in Bethlehem. And you guys are about to say, oh, you just said a bad word. He's not interested in Bethlehem. He's interested in the kingdom of God, and Bethlehem just happens to be a part of that. If we would say that God is only interested in Bethlehem, we're short-sighted. We're not seeing what God wants to do. He wants to set people free. Each one of you are the church, and each one of you want to be set free for his kingdom. 
And I want to encourage you moving forward. The beauty of this all is that God desires for each one of us to confess sin, to come clean, and to start anew. Today is one of those days. And you might say to me, Bruno, you know, I, you know I, are you saying that if I forgive someone, and I wrote these questions, that, I, that they're going to get away with it? You know, when you saw Audrey on that video, it almost looked like she's smiling. What is she smiling for? <laughs> she just violated her husband. But what she was smiling about was the love of God that changed her. You know, is forgiving someone painful? Yes. Is your faith going to be challenged? Yes. Are you going to have bad thoughts and bad words to say to someone who has wronged you? I think so. You're going to have some of that if you already not had that. When you forgive, are you saying, I'm letting this person get away with it? Uh Uh-uh. Because when you forgive, if they're not willing to forgive you for something you've done wrong against them, then they're going to be dealing with shame and guilt. And God will deal with them, but lovingly. Lastly, I asked the question, why should you forgive? And I think we answered that so you can be released and empowered of God to serve him. The Lord desires to do that work. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. I know this may seem a little bit different than usual in a church service or a gathering. But actually, we're, we're going to ask you at this moment, as the music is paying, playing very softly, that you would take a moment, not talk about what you're going to be doing this week with someone, not what you did this past week or what you did yesterday, but we want to give you a good five to seven minutes or so to find someone in this room someone that you may either have violated or someone that has violated you and possibly to go up to that person and say, hey, listen, um, something with this whole devotional and what Pastor Bruno was just sharing, could we get together and have a cup of coffee or a breakfast or a lunch? I need to share my heart with you. This may be the start. You don't have to get into anything more than that. You may want to if you feel led of God to do that so. But please don't let this opportunity pass. When we deal with these things, just like Bob and Audrey dealt with it, freedom came. I can assure you freedom will come from it. I've done this in my life. I want to encourage you to do the same. I know it's awkward, but it's necessary. And so I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray, and I want to pray that God would prepare your heart to take this moment Think of someone that you know you need to talk to that's in this room. Maybe they're not here. And if they're not and you don't, then you want to pray. But we want to encourage you to turn to one another. Don't just sit there in your your chair. Let's take an opportunity to do so. And then by doing that, let's see God be at work in your hearts and in the life of this church. Let's pray. Father, I know that people are feeling a bit awkward right now. Your people the people of this church. No, it's been a very challenging, not only year, but it's been a challenging two or three years. And Lord, I pray that 
each one would have the courage to stand up. Each one would have the courage to go to their brother or sister and say, can we meet together for a cup of coffee? I need to share my heart with you. Lord, I pray that you would just press upon their heart. And I pray that whatever is building up in them, that they would come and be set free. Thank you so much, Father, for your incredible love for us. And thank you, Lord, for the way that you're going to work in our midst. Father, we love you, and we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.